This next round podcast is presented by Roback Activewear. From performance polos to the performance hoodies and the performance Q-Zips, Roback is the best fit and the best fill. Use code TNR20 at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all polos, hoodies, and Q-Zips with the code TNR20. And make sure to check out the Roback print polos. They have you feeling good all year round. Welcome in to Monday Morning Live, the college football conversation with Tom Luganville. I'm Jim Dunaway from our uh, Disrupt the Media studios here in Birmingham. Lugs is uh, always traveling around America today from his friendly confines as well. Luganville, this is a tape version basically to tease ahead to August the 28th, our first morning together, when we'll get a chance to react live at 7 a.m. Central Time, 8 a.m. Eastern, to what we see every weekend in college football, something I always love to do on Monday mornings at the water cooler. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Jim, the thing that's great about it is you get that buffer day, that Sunday to kind of allow you to let things sink in, hopefully avoid making knee-jerk reactions, right? Because sometimes something will happen on a Saturday that's so jarring and then you gotta got to let it settle before you really dive into it and peel back the layers. So, listen, nothing better than reactionary analysis to what we've seen, especially when it's fresh and it's you know we're right on top of it. Uh, we're going to have a blast, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and nobody big pictures college football, in my opinion, better than Tom Luganville does. And he'll be at games, but then he spends a lot of Sunday uh, watching tape, breaking down what has already happened on Saturdays as well. So it won't be just what you already know on Monday Morning Live. We'll be doing some big picture takeaways. So what I want to do on this test run on this yep. taped version right here is I got five things I want to go through. And I want to start it. first with the quarterback situations at some top five teams. How come it feels like Alabama is in a quarterback crisis while Georgia and Ohio State are simply just replacing a starter. Alabama's replacing a starter too, but it seems to be a much bigger deal in Tuscaloosa than it is in Columbus and Athens. Big picture of that for me, Luke. Well, I think one of the reasons why that is, is there are significantly more people in the mix to be that guy than there are at either Georgia or Ohio State. You know, at Ohio State, it's it's Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. All right. I think everybody for the most part realized it was going to be Carson Beck at Georgia as the those behind him are pretty young, have played very, very little. And at Alabama, all right, you've got Jalen Milrow, who we've seen a taste of. You've got Ty Simpson, who is a very highly sought after quarterback. You've got the Notre Dame transfer in, in Tyler Buckner. You have even Dylan Lonergan, if, if you want to consider him to be in the mix. And the reality of the situation is this. And I, and I look at the quote that Nick Saban had, I believe, about a week ago. And he essentially said, force us to play you, which translation for me means that every one of those guys that are in the mix are making the same amount of good plays and equally making the same amount of poor plays. Um, for every good decision they make, they make a poor decision. Nobody's taking the reins and stepping to the forefront. Now, does that mean that they're going to be problematic at quarterback and not have an answer? No, I don't think it necessarily means that. I just believe that they felt coming to this point in August that they would have a much clearer picture of somebody, whoever it is, would be stepping to the forefront. And I think that happened at Georgia. I think that is happening at Ohio State. It may not be Kyle McCord. It might end up being Devin Brown. We, we don't know. 
but they seem to be a little bit more aware of exactly where they stand. And I feel like Nick Saban and Tommy Reese and this staff are very frustrated with where they stand because nobody has just jumped out in front and said, this is my team. I'm going to be the decision maker. I'm going to be the most accurate. I'm going to be the most prepared and I'm going to separate myself. And that has not happened. And I think it's a bit alarming to them because they were expecting it to have happened by now. If I'm an Alabama fan and I'm sitting around sipping my Bud Light, though, I feel like uh, the way everyone is portraying this, I'm concerned at quarterback. For those that don't know Luganville's history, you played the position at a Power 5 conference. You've coached the position. Yeah. With the 21 players around the Alabama quarterback, how good does the Alabama quarterback really have to be this year for this team to be of championship quality? Well, I'm going to use another quote from Ryan Day that I thought was fantastic when he was describing his quarterback situation. And he said, we need our guy to make the routine plays routinely. Okay. (laughs) That means you don't have to wear an S on your chest. You don't have to come out of the tunnel with a cape on. Line up, get us into the right play, identify the coverage pre-snap, make the progressions post-snap, and get the ball to where it's supposed to go. Quarterback play is about two things. It's about decision-making and accuracy. I don't care how tall you are. I don't care how fast you are. All of those things go out the window if you make poor decisions and you're not an accurate player. Um, I think DJ Uyunglele at Clemson the last two years is a prime example of that. And so, yeah, I I think you should be a a bit concerned in, in relationship to the fact that it doesn't seem like the decisions that need to be made are being made on a routine basis or because if they had and we would know by now exactly what the pecking order is at quarterback so i think this is going to be an extremely talented football team and i believe that if you walk into the huddle and you number one have the football team and i think that's another thing too jim that we've got we've got to determine here and the coaching staff has to take a close look at pay close attention to who has the pulse of the team which guy has the locker room and if it's close and it's even and you're not quite sure but you feel like there's a leadership angle and an advantage with one guy you kind of trend in that direction so they're going to step into the huddle i don't think they're going to be as nick saban said last year too bryce young reliant right or too bryce young centric and i think if they get back to maybe more of a traditional run game not have to put the entire thing onto the quarterback and have that person just divvy it around i i said this on my weekend Sirius XM show this past Sunday. And I say this, and I mean this as a, a positive, and I mean it as a compliment. They need Greg McElroy. They need a good football player who was more talented than people gave him credit for, but the one thing he did not do was put his team in jeopardy. All right, he made the plays that needed to be made, made the right decisions, and got the ball out to the playmakers. Now, here's the one X factor in all of this. If, if you're not sure who the quarterback's going to be and you know you've got really, really good personnel around that player, it would be my tendency to lean towards the player who's the greatest athlete of the group. And I say that because if you put a guy out there that is a dangerous runner, you are now changing how defenses have to defend you. That's right. And that may not be Ty Simpson. That may not be Tyler Buckner, although both of them are pretty good athletes. But with Jalen Milrow, when Alabama breaks the huddle, defenses will have for if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. But defenses are going to have to account for him differently. And I think that has to be a big factor 
this decision, at least to start the season off. Okay, I, I've got to defend my boy GMAC here, Greg McElroy. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but I'm on the field at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2009. The place is going crazy, and they need the drive to yeah. keep it going. And McElroy helped out by Julio Jones, but McElroy was perfect when he had yeah. to be. And, yes, I would take Greg McElroy right now in Tuscaloosa, and I think that team, team would win a championship. Yep. Quarterback manager aside, when he had to be big, Greg McElroy was big. Well, I'll say this about the whole game manager uh, phrase or term. Have you ever met a coach in any sport that doesn't want their lead player to manage the game? None. It is Zero. the dumbest statement. I think it's the dumbest statement in all in all of sports. So, well, he's limited talent wise, all right, and he can't manage the game. Okay, well then he's not going to be on scholarship, all right? right. So, if he's got a bunch of talent, well, a bunch of talent, but he can't manage the game, he's not going to hold on to the starting job. I mean, it's it's that simple. It's I think it's one of the most overused stupid phrases ever. Yeah. They make it sound like uh, Greg had ascended from QB2 on the Pi Cap team. Yeah. He was yeah, there exactly. for a reason. Uh, Lance'slock.com. <laughs> Lance'slock.com, one of the great sponsors of Monday Morning Live. This will be the only taped version of Monday Morning Live ever. This is a test run on equipment up here with um, our friends at Disrupt the Media, our company now <laughs> that we own up here. So we wanted to sort of test run this. Four more big questions from Luganville brought to you by Lance'slock.com. All the plays all year long, go to that website, lanceslock.com. My second question is, I don't care in week zero if USC scores 64, 70 points and beats San Jose State by 40 points. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to see how many points San Jose State scores in this game. If it's 70 to 24, I'm still going to be concerned about this USC team because they allowed 24 points to San Jose State. Pac-12 game prime time yep. uh, to start off on the Pac-12 network in week zero. Am I wrong about seeing, forget the outcome, what the USC defense can do in this one? Uh, no, you're, you're not wrong. And I think San Jose State's better than people think they are. I think the line right now is around 30. I think San Jose State covers because I do think they'll wow. score. Here's, here's the thing, Jim, that gets glossed over about SC last year in particular. And, and our crew had them in person. And you watched them on tape. And in their two deep on defense, I saw two NFL caliber players. Two. 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 And here's what gets kind of tucked under the rug that people don't realize. They were plus 22 in turnover margin last year. That does not happen. That's, that is a statistical anomaly out of nowhere. That might happen once every 15 years to the same team, right? So if they're not plus 22 a year ago, let's just say they're plus 10, right? And they don't have Caleb Williams. They're a four and eight football team. Caleb Williams is that good. Caleb Williams is an absolute magician. And until you see him in person, you have no idea what he means to that roster because the roster around him, the offensive skill aside, they do have very good offensive skill. But they're not the SC that we think of when we think of SC folklore, right? So I'm trying to figure out defensively because they didn't make a ton, a, a ton of high-profile uh, moves in the transfer portal on, on the defensive side. And – I'm anticipating that they won't, maybe they won't even be in double digits, all right, in the plus turnover category. 
So how is the defense supposed to improve? Because they're, I don't think they're going to get as many uh, possessions that they got a year ago. They had no business beating Stanford. They had no business beating Oregon State. And people will say, well, those are takeaways. Uh-uh. Not all turnovers are created equal. Some are takeaways and some are gimmies. That's right. And so I think that that's the one thing that I'm really looking to see. What happens if SC goes out there? San Jose State or anybody else? What happens if SC goes out there? And the turnover margin just is even. It's zero at the end of the day. Or it's minus one. Or they go a couple of games and they don't get a single one. Now, now the defensive issues, I think, are going to be really glaring. My third point with Luganville here involves Notre Dame. Dublin against Navy. What keeps you from thinking it's fool's gold on that Notre Dame helmet this year? Are you looking for Sam Hartman uh, to do something in this first game? What does Notre Dame have to do to impress you coming up this weekend? No, they've always struggled with Navy to some degree. And I think it's fair to say when you have to take on a, 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 a traditionally oriented triple option type of team or a service academy team or a Paul Johnson coach Georgia Tech team, you want to get them in one of two ways. You either want to get them in the opener or you want to get them off of a bye week or you right. get them in a bowl game. You have as much time as possible to, to prepare for it. I think I'm really looking forward to see. I, I still don't think as a whole on the hoof that Notre Dame has the athletes of, of today's elite programs. They're, 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 they're not on the same par. Does it mean that they can get the, can't get there? No. I do think that they will be improved as a football team in year two under Marcus Freeman. But I think the number one thing to answer your question I'm really curious about is how good is Sam Hartman when he's not in the slow mesh offense? Me too. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. If you've ever watched him play, he's tougher than nail. He's got grit, moxie, any adjective you want to use, I love him. And I do think he's a good football player. And I think he's one of those guys, if a Chase Daniel or Colt McCoy, some of these guys can play in the NFL as a backup for 10, 11, 12 years, he could find a home. I think he's one of those guys. But I don't know what he's going to do in the traditional sense of, of the position, right? Uh, as a pure dropback guy, as a, as a play action guy. Uh, he clearly knows how to operate the RPO game. So I think if Notre Dame is smart, forget the slow mesh part, continue to emphasize what he does well, and that's identification on the run pass option. So I think he'll be fine, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of a an adjustment period. And you could make an argument, Jim, that over the last two to three years, the wide receiver skill at Wake Forest was better than what they had at Notre Dame. Wow. That's yeah. saying a lot. That's saying a yeah. lot. Navy's changing systems, too. That's the 130 NBC game week zero. Um, point four, Lance'sLog.com brings you Monday morning live. Again, we will be live at 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central, all Mondays after the college football season, starting August the 28th, after week zero, recapping week zero and getting you ready for week one. Tom Luganville, live on Monday morning live, all football season long on Mondays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central on all of these platforms here with uh, Disrupt the Media on YouTube and also the Next Round platform as well on our YouTube channel. Point number four, Pete Golding will be uh, considered a raving success this year in Oxford, Mississippi. Did it already start this weekend when they got five-star defensive lineman Kermarian Franklin to stay in state, not go to Auburn, not go to Tennessee, not go to Miami? Was that Pete Golding? Did he have a hand in on that? I, I guarantee he had a hand in on it because he was in on the recruitment of him prior to his arrival at Ole Miss. And so now all of a sudden that 
I think that pays some dividends and it, and it carries a little bit of weight. And whether it's Pete Golding, whether it's Lane Kiffin, um, you know, whether it's Miss, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, when you have a great player, you can't let that player leave your state, right? It just, and it's not easy to do. I get it. It can be hard to do. But, you know, you look at some of those Hugh Freeze offenses and some of those Phil Longo offenses, and they kept an A.J. Brown at home, right? They kept a D.K. Metcalf uh, at home. Th- those, those are important things to build your program, to compete against the likes of the Alabamas and the LSUs and, and, and so on and so forth. So I think time will tell on the, on the Pete Golding tenure there based upon personnel. I mean, let's call it what it is, Jim. I mean, Ole Miss isn't playing with Alabama's players on defense. And, you know, I look at Jeff Scott when he left Clemson to go to South Florida. I look at Tony Ellett when he left Clemson and went to Virginia. I look at Brent Venables when he left Clemson and he went to Oklahoma. Well, all three of those guys didn't start taking stupid pills. They didn't just all of a sudden overnight become bad football coaches. They don't have the dudes that they were playing with at Clemson. So it, it, players trump plays every step of the way. They get more players and they're Pete Golding and everybody else will look really good. Listen, I, I know Barbie is not your type of movie, but it, but it made over a billion dollars internationally. I know. So number, so number five is who is the surprise team in college football, the Barbie team of the year that's going to come out of the top ten, that's going to make some waves. For me, it's going to be that Ken Doll of a quarterback I like to call Bo Nix at Oregon. I think they'll come from 15. They'll be a top 10 team at the end of the year. I think they win the Pac-12. I love Dan Lanning's schemes. I think year two is big for him. Who's the surprise team for you in college football this year, however you define that? So you didn't exactly walk out on a limb there, Jim. I mean, they're already a top 20 team to jump into the top 10, my man. Well, 15, (laughs) they're going to win the Pac-12. That's jumping over the Utahs and the USC's. I I think – I'm going to go a little deeper on this one. And you're going to say, what? I, th- I was stunned that NC State did not get a, get, only got one top 25 AP vote. And I say that because they're going to be really, really good on defense. They're loaded in their defensive front. And when they got Brennan Armstrong in the transfer portal and then reunited him with Robert and I, who was his coordinator that 2020 and 2021, when he exploded offensively. They, they could have a chance to not only be good on defense, but be good enough on offense to where they're capable of winning every game they participate in. I would be stunned. Like Vegas had them at six and a half, Jim, and then took it off the board. I mean, this is a team that's done nothing but win eight or nine plus games each of the last four or five years, and they had them at six and a half. And then all of a sudden, they pulled it off. And I'm sitting there going, six and a half? You got to be freaking kidding me. And I don't, I'm not a gambler, man. But yeah. if I were to take one and say this is going to be a really good team that will be pushing, I think pushing, cuss top 10, top 15 throughout the year and with no divisions in the ACC, that would be a surprise team for me. And by the way, I agree with you on the Pac-12. I actually think there are four teams that can make the college football playoff out of the Pac-12. I'm not convinced any one of them could win a game. But I think Oregon, Washington, SC, and Utah – all could make a college football playoff. I think Utah, because of how they're built, would be the team that would probably have the best chance of winning a semifinal game um, just because of who they are up front and how they are on defense because they're a little bit different than everybody else out in that league. But everything that's happened to the Pac-12 has glossed over the fact that it's the most exciting conference in America with the best quarterback play, and it's not even close. 
It's a great point you make on NC State, too. Um, like you can see, like in the Caesars bookmaking area, uh, the guy who put six and a half out there for NC State totals and everyone's pounding the over and they have to pull it off the board. It's like, uh, hey, Dave, uh, can you come to the office, please? Six and a half. You're fired, dude. Get out of here. Six and a half. We were going to lose so much money if they win oh. seven. Tom yep. Luganville is with us all year long. It'll be live from now on. Test run is going to go as uh, we're going to splash this in the Pacific and put this as a check mark. It went really well. We'll nice. be live all football season at uh, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central for an hour. We'll have a uh, chat room comments going for you guys so you can react to college football. Remember, tune in. Audio app will help you on the car play on your ride to work. The next round app, it'll be available on that as well. Podcasted everywhere. You can watch it on all the platforms, including YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, thank you, Lugs, for this uh, test run of Monday Morning Live. I can't wait to see you yeah. Monday morning. I'll bring the coffee, at least for all me. Right. Are you a coffee well, drinker? Uh, I'm, I'm, I like iced coffee. But I'm one of those people that doesn't really have a reaction to caffeine, so I don't have to have coffee. Like I'm not somebody that wakes up every morning and has to have my coffee, but I do enjoy it. But we're going to have a blast. I'm glad that our, our our soup can and string operated correctly today so that we can make <laughs> sure that we can get to everybody live every Monday. But we're going to have a lot of fun. That's right. You had to have Apollo 10 to get Apollo 11 to land on the moon. So <laughs> right. Apollo 10 works. I'll see you on the lunar surface Monday. That's Monday morning live brought to you by Lance's Lock, lanceslock.com.